Faith says, I know you are there, and I also know that you will reward me if I chase after you, pursue you, if I want it bad enough. Welcome to Moody Presents, featuring the teaching ministry of Moody Bible Institute President, Dr. Mark Job. So glad you've joined us for our current message series, Red Hot Faith, here on Moody Presents, where we're learning to have an unending passion for Jesus Christ. And as a reminder, our annual Founders Week Bible Conference is coming up. Head to foundersweek.com for all the ways to watch and listen. I will tell you we've got a great lineup of speakers, including former Moody Bible Institute President Dr. Joe Stoll. We'll hear from Chris Brooks. Maybe you'll hear his radio program, Equipped. We're also going to hear from Josiah Job, Mark Job's son, and of course, our President Mark Job on Friday evening. The theme goes right along with today's message, Rekindled, Fanning the Flame of Our Calling. So lots of ways to watch and listen to Founders Week, and we hope you'll check it out for yourself at foundersweek.com. That's foundersweek.com. All right, let's get to today's message in our Red Hot Faith series. Here's Mark Job on Moody Presents. We have been talking about what it means to have red hot faith. I'm talking about the kind of faith that when people get close to you, they sense that there's something different about this person. I'm talking about the red hot faith that causes you to share your faith with other people when you're around them. I'm talking about the red hot faith that causes you to want more of the presence of God. Red hot faith that pushes you to want to hear from God every day and open up your Bible. The red hot faith that causes you to want to talk to God throughout the day and pray. The red-hot faith that makes you want to serve God and be used of God. I'm talking about the red-hot faith that causes you to be bold in your prayers. A red-hot faith that, well, makes you not want to just be mediocre. It makes you want to step out and risk for God, go on a missions trip, step up to a ministry, serve someone, stop and talk to a homeless person. Believe God for a difference at your work. I'm talking about red-hot faith that moves you to action. And we've been talking about what does it take and what does it mean to have red-hot faith. So today I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going to be looking at especially verses 9 and 10 of 2 Kings chapter 2, but really the whole chapter. When my daughter was three years old, she came to me with her big brown eyes and she said, Daddy, would you buy me a puppy? I looked at her with my not so big brown eyes and I said, no, honey. I'm not going to buy you a puppy until you can take care of a puppy. And so she looked at me with those big brown eyes and she said, Daddy, how old will I have to be to take care of a puppy? And I said, honey, when you're 12 years old and can take care of a puppy on your own, then I will buy you a puppy. Now, I made a fatal mistake. I thought she would forget about that puppy. 
How many of you parents have done that before? Okay. But no, she did not forget. In fact, she bought every dog calendar that she could find. She had posters of puppies up in her room. She was counting the day until she could turn 12. And just before she turned 12, she had reminded me countless times, Dad, when I'm 12, I get a puppy. Yeah, you get a puppy. So we went out and we bought her a puppy. The puppy's name was Angel, a little Shih Tzu. Now this dog for some reason had a wild streak and she would love when we opened the door to run out and it took us a long time to find her sometimes. And so we started doing this little thing with her when she went outside, we would lure her back into the house with a treat. Angel, we got a treat for you. And so she learned that when she came back to the house, if she hadn't run off, we would give her a treat. I took it to the next level. And I decided, well, it's not just if she comes into the house, but I want her to do something for this treat. And so I would get the treat, and I would say, up, up, and she would get on her back legs and get up, and then I would give her a treat. Only if she got up on her back legs would I give her that treat. And I've noticed that as she's gotten older, she's nine years old now, I've noticed that I'll say treat, and she'll just sit there. I think in her puppy mind, she's thinking, I'm an old lady these days. I'm not sure if I want to do all that energy to get up on my back legs and get that treat. And so she's got to think through it. And so, but when she wants it enough, and usually she does, she'll get up on her back legs and I will hold it there and put it in her mouth. But she's got to want it enough. If she sits there, I won't give it to her because I know she doesn't want it bad enough. Now, let me tell you, there's a spiritual lesson in this little dog story. I'm going somewhere with it. What I've discovered is that oftentimes, we're a little bit like Angel in the spiritual route. That God's eyes are looking to and fro throughout the earth, trying to find people that want him and his mission and his kingdom, and his things bad enough. I think he finds a lot of people that are mediocre about him. A lot of people that kind of want it, but not bad enough. A lot of people that can take it or leave it, and if they have to really do something, they would just say, I'd rather not do it. But God is looking for some people that want him and want to be used by him bad enough to really get what he has to offer to them. In fact, that's pretty much what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says about faith. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible. You want to please God, you have to have faith. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean faith? Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing God. Well, he describes it right here. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must first of all believe that he exists. You see, faith is saying, I know that God is there and that God exists and that God is real, even though I have not had a Starbucks coffee with him. Even though I have not touched him and held him and seen him, even though I cannot 
experience him with my five senses, I know in my eyes of faith that God is real, that God is there, that God exists. But it's not good enough to believe that God exists. James tells us that even the demons believe that God exists. Most of this world believes that there is a God. There may be a 1% of the population of this world, if even at that, that considers themselves atheists, in other words, that doesn't believe in any kind of God. Most of the world believes that God exists, but not most of the world are followers, legitimate followers of God, even though they believe in the existence of God. Because what scripture tells us is this, you must believe that God exists and that he rewards, that he rewards. What is rewards? It means that he gives something to, he offers something to those who earnestly seek him. In other words, what faith does is faith says, I know you are there, God, but it doesn't stop there. Faith says, I know you are there, and I also know that you will reward me if I chase after you, pursue you, if I want it bad enough. All throughout scripture I see it. I see that God responds to people that want him bad enough. I see that in Exodus chapter 33 that Moses came before God and God says, I'm tired of these people. I'm not gonna go with you. And Moses says to God, well, if you don't go with us, what will distinguish us from all the people of this earth? Lord, if you don't go with us, I won't go either. I want you bad enough. In fact, God, show me your glory. And because of his audacious, bold faith in asking to show him his glory, he actually showed Moses his glory because he wanted him bad enough. The Bible in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the persistent widow who comes before the judge asking and asking and asking and not giving up. And finally the judge says, okay, here you go. You have it. Why? Because she wanted it bad enough. Jesus talks about prayer. And he says, I want you to ask I want you to knock, I want you to seek, and you shall find, and the door shall be open to you. In other words, I want to give something to those of you that want it bad enough, bad enough. And here's what I want to talk about today, because I believe that there's a lot of us that fall short of what God wants to do in our life because we don't want it bad enough. From Moody Radio, it's Dr. Mark Job continuing our Red Hot Faith series. You know, listening to that story we heard earlier, I'm wondering, is it possible you and I are kind of like that puppy that Dr. Mark Job described? Yeah, we claim we want to be used by God, but honestly, we don't really want it bad enough. We obey when we want to, right? When it's convenient for us. Well, if you missed the first half of this message, you can hear the whole thing online at moodypresents.org. Moodypresents.org. You know, I love the title of this message, How Bad Do You Want It? 
What do you say we move into 2 Kings 1 now with Pastor Mark Job here on Moody Presents. I want us to look at the story found in 2 King, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. This is the story about Elijah. Now, I don't want you to be confused between Elijah and Elijah. Elijah with a J is the old prophet. Elijah with a S is the young mentoring prophet. Are you with me? Okay, because if not, this story can get confusing. So it tells us in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, when the Lord was about to take Elijah, the old prophet, up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elijah, the young prophet, were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to his young apprentice, Elijah, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elijah, the apprentice, said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. In this story of 2 Kings, you have the story of a man by the name of Elijah who was one of the most incredible prophets that existed. If you want to think about a powerful man of God, you think about Elijah. He did miracles that are just astounding. He prayed and it didn't rain for three years. He called fire down from heaven and it consumed an altar. God showed up to him in the form of wind and fire and spoke to him clearly. He resurrected someone from the dead. He ran faster than a chariot could run. People thought, this man hears from God. God whispers into his life in incredible ways. He appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. When John the baptizer came, they said, this man comes in the spirit of Elijah. He was the most revered prophet of the Old Testament. What I love also about Elijah is he also went through some tough times. He went through depression. He got so discouraged at one time that he was suicidal. Take my life, God. It's not worth living. After this crisis he went through, God spoke to him and he said, you, don't, you can't be alone. You need to find a successor. And so he said, you need to appoint Elijah, who's a farm boy, to be your successor. So the Bible tells us that this seasoned prophet Elijah went and found this young man, Elijah, and he said, come and follow me and leave your farming behind you. And so he came with Elijah to be his apprentice and for Seven to nine years, Elijah the apprentice followed Elijah the prophet around. There's nothing extraordinary spoken about the apprentice. He does no miracles. He has no opportunities to preach, speak, nothing extraordinary. In fact, it's almost silent about him until 2 Kings chapter 2. And here's where I want to pick this up. Because I believe that what characterized Elijah, the apprentice, is that he had red-hot faith. He wanted it bad enough to let God use him. 
So if you're taking notes today, I want you to jot this down. Red hot faith triggers big desire to be used of God. That kind of faith will lead to three things. Number one, red hot faith will lead you to tenacious persistence. Tenacious persistence. That word tenacious means that you aggressively hold on to something without letting go. You know, let me tell you this. One of the best things that can happen to us when we believe that we're called or that we want to be used of God is that someone tries to talk us out of it or that we experience opposition from people around us. One of the best gifts that could happen to you when you want to be used of God is to get a little pushback on you wanting to be used of God. Some of you have come to Christ and you were all excited and you came to a service and you said, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to turn around. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a different person. And you get up and your cheeks are wet with tears of repentance and faith and you feel the Holy Spirit inside of you leading you to live a different way. And you think you're going to go back home and tell all your family members and that they're going to jump for joy and give you high fives and say, finally, you've found God and you're going to be different and you go home and people say now we'll see how long this lasts oh so you're a Bible thumper now oh so now you're gonna judge us oh you're better than us now and suddenly the people that you thought were gonna be on your side are against you let me tell you that's probably one of the best things that could happen for you to strengthen your faith When your faith is opposed, you grow stronger. When people push up against you, challenge you, make fun of you, laugh at you, it's some of the greatest faith-strengthening environment that you can find is when people oppose you. If you feel like you're called of God to do something, Probably one of the best things that could happen to you is that someone around you tries to talk you out of it. I remember when I was just graduated from college and I found myself on the corner of 44th and Polina in back of the yards neighborhood at a little church there with under 20 people. And they were looking for a pastor to, to, to lead this little group of people. And so I went to the church that I was attending that I had been a part of. And I was excited to tell the pastor that I felt like God was leading me there. And I wanted him to pray over me and bless me and encourage me and send the church out. And I thought he would say, praise God, you're going to minister in a tough neighborhood and thank God that you're called and you're responding to the call. So I sat down and I talked to him about what I felt like God was calling me to do. And I was looking for his approval, looking for his blessing, looking for him to say, let me pray over you. And, and can we send some people with you? And how can we help you out? And I'll never forget, he just looked at me across the desk. No expression on his face. Then when I was done, he said to me, the city chews up and spits out 
pastors left and right. You better be sure you're called. I remember leaving the office thinking, well, I don't know if to be happy or sad about that. I'm, I'm not sure. But I'm, let me tell you something. Can I tell you something? If you can get talked out of something, if you can get dissuaded from something, if someone after telling you how hard it is, you give it up, then you probably did not believe it enough to begin with. Because let me tell you, when you believe something strongly, when God has a call on your life, no one can talk you out of it. You can't be dissuaded out of it, talked out of it, discouraged out of it. You'll go through whatever you have to do to go through it, but you will hang on to what God has called you to do. Do you understand that? And the best thing that could happen is a little opposition. The best thing that can happen is a little discouragement. Because the truth is that I discovered later the city does chew out and spit out pastors left and right. Because I've seen over the last 25 years of being a pastor in Chicago, I've seen pastors come and pastors go. I've seen pastors fall and not make it. Sometimes the city's been like a revolving door. People go and don't last long. Oh, I've seen it happen. And his words to me, I think they were good words. I needed to think through this. I needed to think it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. I better know it's God and not just an idea that I have in my mind because someone had to push back a little bit on it. I look at this young apprentice with his tutor, the prophet Elijah, and the first verses of chapter 2, Elijah, the prophet, trying to talk his apprentice out of following him. They go to Gilgal, which was a city, and the prophet says to his apprentice, don't follow me anymore, stay here. And the apprentice says to his mentor, as long as God lives and as long as I can, I will not stay here. I will follow you. They move on to the next city, the city of Bethel, which means house of God. And the prophet says to his apprentice, stay here. I'm going on. I don't want you to follow me. And he says, as long as the Lord lives, notice what he says. He says, as surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And then he was in Bethel a while, and he says, I'm going to Jericho. And he says, stay here. And he follows him to Jericho, and he says, as surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you, I will follow you. Four times he tells him not to follow him. Four times he tries to discourage him. Four times he tries to say, hey, you don't have to go any farther. You just stay back. You're tired. It would be easier for you to stay. Don't follow me. And four times that apprentice says, no way. I am following you all the way. I'm not going to miss out on what God has for me. I'm in this all the way. I will not be discouraged. I will follow you into the end, and no one is going to talk me out of it. You see, he wanted it bad enough. Let me tell you. I believe that the heart of God looks for people that want it bad enough. 
For seven years, he'd just been carrying his bags. Once in a while, I'll run into someone that wants to be used of God. Maybe you're here and you have a desire to be used of God. Let me tell you where it starts. It starts where you're planted. Be faithful with what he's given you. And then God will add more. If you're a young man here and you say, Pastor, I really want to move forward. I want to have a godly family, a godly marriage. I want to lead kids. I want to lead, I want to lead a business. I want to do things for God. And I'm saying, okay, great. You're 25 years old. You're still living in the basement of your mother's house. Get a job, first of all, before you get a wife, right? You need to be faithful with what you're called to do. Finish school, get a job, start working, pay your bills, be able to support a wife. First of all, you, you have to be able to lead yourself before you can lead someone else. And before you can have kids, you need to be faithful with where God has planted you and let yourself grow up and become the man that God has called you to be. In other words, it goes from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. God calls us to be faithful with where we're at. Elijah had called Elijah to track with him and follow him. And he was about to take Elijah to another season of his life, to another level of living, but he wanted to know how bad do you really want it? Well, we hope your answer to that question is, you want it bad enough that you'll join us for more in our Red Hot Faith series with Dr. Mark Job president of the Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church. You can hear the entire study again at moodypresents.org. Moodypresents.org. I'm John Geiger. Today's broadcast is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.